give that uh, in time when it's uh, when the time is up. But just pray about that and what God would have you to give. But we're going to praise the Lord now with my Savior, my God. He is our Savior. He is our God. Let's stand together as we sing. I am not skilled to understand What God has willed, what God has planned I only know it, His right hand Stands one who is my Savior I take Him at His word and deed Christ died to save me, this I read and in my heart I find the need Of Him to be my Savior That He would leave His place on high And come for sinful man to die You called it strange, so once did I Before I knew my Savior my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. Yes, living, dying, let me bring. My strength, my soul is from this spring. That he who lives to be my king Once died to be my savior That he would leave his place on high And come for sinful man to die You called it strange, so once did I Before I knew my savior my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always going to be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always going to be. And we have that promise that He is our God and He will always be our God. And as long as we trust in Him, He will make a way when there seems to be no way. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. My guide, hold me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. He will make a way, he will make a way. Let's sing that again. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. 
through that as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are here in your house this morning to praise you and to lift up your name because of what you did for us on Calvary, Father. We did not deserve it. We were still lost in our sin. But you loved us enough to give your life, to go to Calvary and offer a sacrifice for us to make a way where there was no way. And we thank you so much for that, Father. And we Rejoice that you did not stay dead, but you rose again in power and in life. And you brought that life to us. And we have accepted you as our Savior, Father. And we say to you this morning that you are our God. You are our Savior for now until all time. And we know, Father, that this promise is true, that you will never forsake us. You will never abandon us. And we thank you so much for that, Father. We just ask that you would forgive us where we fail you, where we sin against you. We still live in a sinful world, Father, and we are still we still yield to temptation, and we sometimes sin against you, and we fall short of what you have called us to do, what you have called us to be. We just ask that you would forgive us of those sins, Father, and just help us to be stronger, help us to live better for you in our daily lives. Father, as we see the video of of Alabama Baptist helping the people that are in need who have uh, terrible things happen. Help us to keep that in mind, Father, to, to share your love with those around us because there are so many people out there that have needs, Father, that need to have peace, that need to have hope, that need to have love, and we are the ones that can give it to them through you. And we just ask, Lord, that you would help us to be your instruments, help us to be your witness to the world that's dying in darkness. There is an answer for this world, Father, and it is Jesus Christ. There is no other answer among men or anything else on earth but Jesus Christ. And we just ask, Lord, that as we continue to praise you, as we hear your word, 
May we listen with more than just our ears. Let us listen with our hearts and our minds and to go out and live the word that you have called us to live, the word that you have shared with us. Just be with us and be among us now as we continue to praise you. We love you so much. And we just lift up your name and glorify you because you are worthy of all the praise that we can give. And it's in your most precious and awesome and holy name that we pray. Amen. We continue to praise him with, I will sing the wonder story. We have been granted eternal life. We have been granted mercy. And we sing of that all the day long. I will sing the wonder story. Let's stand together as we sing. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. How he left his home for glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. Threw his loving arms around me, threw me back into his way. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea he will keep me till the river closes waters at my feet then he'll bear me safely over where the loved ones I shall meet yes I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. Amen. We're living for Jesus a life that is true. Living for Jesus a life that is true. Sin and disgrace. 
grace. Such love constrains me to answer his call. Follow his leading and give him my all. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to soul of fire, Lord, for thy holy word. Set my soul of fire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me, let thy voice be heard. Millions grope in darkness in this day and hour.
Set my soul apart, Lord, in my daily life. Far too long I've wandered in this day of strife. Nothing else will matter but to live for Thee. I will be a witness, for Christ lives in me. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of Thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for Thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, as we come humbly into your presence in the stillness of this moment, Father, help us to remember the price that you paid that we might have this freedom this morning to come into your house to worship you. And Father, again, to thank you for how you have abundantly blessed us in the trying times that we're living in in the world you created for us right now. We know by it's your grace and mercy that we're here this morning, and we thank you for it. And if we return to you, your tithes, our offerings, Father, we pray your blessings on it. Pray you'll give us wisdom to use it wisely, Father, to carry your word to the lost around us. Father, help us to come to you each day. In our moments, Father, when we awake, To thank you, Father, for the night of rest that you give each one of us, the day of life that you grant us, never to take any of it for granted, Father, knowing that each breath we take is a blessing from you. And, Father, I pray for the leaders of our country and the countries around the world, the trying times that we're living in, Father, caused by men, destroying the world that you created, that we might live in peacefully, but you tell us how it can happen, Father, and just help us. It has to start with someone. Help each one of us to be the ones, Father, to bring about the peace that we need, and you tell us in your word plainly, Father, easily how it can happen. And I pray for the man that makes the laws that we have to live by, Lord. I just pray that somehow, some way, Someone will cross their path and let them know they are not in control, but that you're still in control. And, Father, we see signs each day that reminds us that you're in control. But guide and direct us, Father, the remainder of this day. Just help us to use it to glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Conclusion. We come to Mark chapter 4 and beginning with verse 26 and reading on down through verse 34. And these are a special kind of a parable, at least as far as New Testament scholars refer to them. The word isn't mentioned in the Bible, but the type of literature it is is a $10 fancy word, similitude. And that means it's says the kingdom of God is similar or like or as if this. And then he paints a picture, parables. He just starts off, says uh, a man was going up to Jerusalem and uh, talk, talks about the good Samaritan. But here it's going to be what the kingdom of God is like. Let me, let me give you first the fill in the blanks. There's a few more than usual on the point number one. And then we'll read the scripture and unfold that. Various kinds of growth in the natural and supernatural world. Natural and supernatural world are God-ordained and God-designed. This includes spiritual growth, agricultural growth, and the growth of history toward the second coming. Spiritual growth agricultural growth, and the growth of history toward the second coming. I got out my old 1956 Baptist hymnal, and actually the, this song is in some of the newer hymnals as well, but uh, that's the one that just happened to be handy. And I looked at the song that we often sing around Thanksgiving, many churches do. It's, Come Ye Thankful People Come. And in the second verse, it's, it says, we ourselves are God's own field, fruit unto the, his praise to yield, wheat and tares together sown unto joy or sorrow grown. And then there's some uh, phraseology and wording that probably comes directly about, out of what we're going to read. First the blade and then the ear, then the full corn shall appear. Lord of harvest, grant that we wholesome grain and pure may be. All right, verse 26 under point number one. And he, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the Grain ripens. Immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Back up there in the fill in the blanks, I put agricultural growth, and that's the specific growth, but we could have just as easily have said botanical growth. But the similitude, the illustration here, 
he's actually talking about the harvest probably of corn or wheat or things like that. And so what this, I think what this particular block of verses is saying, God's ordained growth in, in the natural world, and it doesn't take place without his blessing. I mean, even people that don't believe in God are blessed to live in this world with uh, agricultural and botanical growth where things grow from plants and uh, specifically agricultural crops that they need. God sends the rain and the sunshine on the just and on the unjust. And so th- that in itself is a blessing, but it's God ordained. It's the, the growth can have it can take place in challenging times since the Garden of Eden. I often make reference to that concept as I did in a newsletter article recently. But ever since the Garden of Eden, this world has fallen. It's infected by sin. It it things do not work perfectly. It's still God's world, and He's still Lord of the universe. He's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But when Sin came into the world. The perfect environment of the Garden of Eden ceased to be. But there's still, even with what has taken place since Eden, and even with, for example, uh, the things that happened that caused the deployment of disaster relief workers, as we saw in the video earlier, still God sends great blessing in the general uh, principle is that that which you sow that shall you also reap so that that's true in the natural and in the supernatural world and in terms of the supernatural world it is you can apply this as i'm doing in the sermonic point there point number one in the supernatural world it's the growth the spiritual growth that takes place in the life of one who's truly a believer who's an authentic Christian and, you know, well, is there any such thing as an inauthentic Christian? Well, not really. That's what I think they call an oxymoron, a contradiction in terms. But there are people who have made a profession of faith, maybe walked an aisle, signed a card, maybe maybe even prayed a prayer, but it maybe it really wasn't sincere. Maybe Maybe they really did not understand what they were doing and there was not a true commitment there. Now, the the individual cases are for God to judge. But when growth has really taken place, when there is transformation, when there is a new creature in Christ Jesus, no matter how long the lifetime is, if, if if it's, you know, if you die a week after salvation or... 70 years after you're saved or 80 or 90 years as, as some has happened in the lives of some, there's still going to be spiritual growth. You're born again. Paul referred in first Corinthians three to the fact that he said to the Corinthians, you're still babes in Christ. I couldn't feed you with meat. So I have to feed you with milk. They hadn't grown spiritually like they should have just as agricultural growth as sometimes uneven due to the fallen world we live in. Well, well, guess what? We're still sinners saved by grace. Not everybody grows at the same spiritual rate, but growth is there in the life of someone who's really a Christian. But it's it's not in the terms of the supernatural world, which is the spiritual realm, which is inside 
one's heart, talking about Jesus living in your heart, transforming your life, certainly God intends for growth to take place, conforming us more and more to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. But it's also what I reference in the very last blank on point number one, the growth of history <clears throat> toward the second coming. Now, our in this world, our Hindu friends and neighbors, I'm, I'm no expert on Hinduism, but I, I know enough, I think, and I've read enough to, to know that it, the best I understand it, Hindu uh, theology and doctrine does not see history as moving in a straight line towards a particular uh, culmination of history. We, we as Christians do. We, we believe, as the Bible teaches, that history is moving relentlessly in a line toward the culmination, toward the second coming of Christ, towards the new heaven and the new earth. We believe in a linear history, that God is working his purpose out, that one day it will be brought to a close and there will be a new order. There will be uh, that everybody will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. And so when he's talking about the crops, the blade, the head, the full grain, grain ripens, the sickle, the harvest has come. So we know that in other places, uh, he sends his angels out to gather, uh, gather, uh, gather the harvest. You know, people are taken to heaven. Some call it the rapture. But in any case, the seeds of growth and of inclusion, this is growth, growth of this in the natural world, the supernatural world, and that has, that has a twofold application, the growth of individual Christians as well as the growth of history towards the second coming. <clears throat> Point number two, excuse me, I'm dealing with a little hoarseness this morning. I do not know why. The growth and progress of the gospel has persistently and relentlessly moved toward a biblically-based inclusion. Now, that sounds a little bit like what we're talking about, the second coming. Well, not precisely, although that's certainly progress that needs to take place before the second coming. Let me read the verses and come back and talk about it. And then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is grown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now, there is a place where mustard seed is used in a different way, Tom, about if you have faith as a, a grain of mustard seed, then you can say unto this mountain, move, and it will be unto you. That's, that's not exactly the idea here, but it is talking about a plant that grows up and there are, uh, there are branches when it's grown and uh, it says, it, last part, it says shoots out large branches. The birds there may nest under its shade. I just take that to be, it's the gospel. It, it's inviting all who will come and profess faith in Christ to the, the comfort and the security and the abundant life in this life and eternal life after we die. In, in terms of uh, inclusion in inviting the gospel of Christ. Now, 
we have to be careful with the word inclusion because the world has one notion of that and maybe multifaceted notions about what inclusion is. Uh, the world will redefine what is they regard as sin and what's not sin. What the Bible has taught is whatever the Bible declares as sin, still sin. The Bible's not going to change simply because the opinions and values of society have changed, no matter how dramatically people portray and, and, and bluster and, and talk about uh, lifestyles that the Bible declares are sinful. That is not inclusion in the biblical sense. This is a biblically-based inclusion. Now, what, what else do we mean by that? Well, it's, it's what I've taught before as far as the book of Acts, that the book of Acts, uh, the key to the book of Acts is probably, as one scholar has said, is, is one adverb in the Greek, actually. I, I don't, I'm not going to pronounce it for you, but it's in the very last few verses of the book of Acts where it says Paul lived in his own hired house in Rome and no man hindering him. Well, in, in Greek, no man hindering him, that's just one word unhinderedly it's like an adverb you know adverbs generally not always but generally have ly on the end and so one scholar said unhindered and that that's how the gospel was meant to be shared so uh lickety split you know the holy spirit comes we'll say more about that in a moment in his fullness in the day of pentecost and from that point on even to today it's leaping barriers linguistic barriers ethnic barriers racial barriers, geographic barriers, and uh, even ideological barriers. The gospel has gone forth. It, there, was, there was much of that in the book of Acts. The, Acts has 28 chapters, and there's a group of churches that call themselves Acts 29 churches. That's not a bad label if a church is functioning properly to call any church. Every church ought to be, in a sense, Acts 29 church, what now it may or may not agree with all the things that are said by the group that is formally calls themselves acts 29 churches i haven't read in in detail their confessional documents and what they're all, all about but i do know that acts 29 is a reference to the fact that every church every local congregation every group of christians who is truly following jesus christ they ought to be continuing the mission that the church followed through the book of Acts, which was to share the gospel, to see the Holy Spirit uh, come and the gospel to come to uh, more and more people in more and more different places. And uh, no, you know, talking about biblically based inclusion, there's, there's no income and uh, differentiation and upper class, lower class, middle class demographics that are sometimes used formally, informally, as people do surveys and analysis of society. Though there, there's everybody stands equal at the foot of the cross. It's a biblically based inclusion, and that is to do the will of Christ. And don't forget the will of Jesus, the will of Christ. You don't limit yourself to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not just what he said in his earthly ministry, but it's what Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, that he inspired to be written in every book of the Bible. If you want to know what's right and wrong, 
you don't need to limit yourself to the gospels. What he said in his earthly ministry, very important. So is what he said when he inspired uh, the books of the, all the books of the Bible, Leviticus, Numbers, Romans, First uh, Thessalonians, Revelation, just to name a few. You could go through all 66 of them. Every page is inspired by God. Christ is eternal God. He was there when the worlds were created. He was there when every page of Scripture was inspired. So the growth and progress of the gospel has persistently and relentlessly moved towards a biblically-based inclusion. So when you see this set of verses, verses 30 through 32 that we just read, it's just a beautiful picture, you know, uh, birds of the air. Uh, I mean, you know, there, there's no elaboration upon it, what, what all different kinds of birds are in mind, but it's, it, it's probably envisioning the variety, just birds. It's not, not just the blackbird or the sparrow or whatever other kind of birds they had in that area of the world. It's, it's just, you know, it's a, I believe it's a picture as uh, there's a song in the, I think in the hymnal there, whosoever will may come. You come on, you you may come and you may re repent of your sins and remember sins or whatever the Bible defines as sin, not society. And so uh, when you repent of your sins, place your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Point number three, the written word of God assures that there is no spiritual mystery or hidden knowledge held back for a spiritually privileged few. There is no spiritual mystery or hidden knowledge held back for a spiritually privileged few. After Pentecost, that's Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came in his fullness, he guides us into all truth. Uh, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. These set of verses almost sound like there is a mystery. Well, there was a little bit of mystery at this point, but let's, let's read and see what they said. It says, and with such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Okay, now, you, you might say there were a privileged few at that point. But after the Holy Spirit came in his fullness at Pentecost, there... You know, one of the things the Holy Spirit did early on uh, in, you might even say, in the Acts 29 era and even before that, is he inspired Scripture to be written. And I think, no question, God guided history so that the, the books of Scripture would come together. The early church would affirm which books really were Scripture. Listen, don't, don't ever get confused. You know, sometimes I turn on... TV, I hate to say it, but even on the History Channel or the Learning Channel and other channels, there'll be some egghead on there talking about the lost books of the Bible. They're, you know, let me just be Southern. There ain't no such thing. Uh, there are no lost books of the Bible. Those so-called lost books of the Bible were written um, more than 100 years after uh, Jesus was even on earth. And uh, they're just basically, they're interesting books from a literary standpoint, but they're, they are works of fiction. And besides that, they do not uh, comport or they're not, they're not even comparable to what we read in the books that we know are authentic. There's no lost books of the Bible. 
But one of the things that the Holy Spirit did when he, after he came in his fullness, he inspired scripture to be written. The, so Jesus said he will guide you into all truth. That's, that's one of the ways that God guides us into all truth is he, he inspired the books of scripture to be written. And so even though during Jesus's earthly ministry here in verses 33 and 34, at that point, it is true that he, he hadn't given all the information that would come forth in scripture, but God tells us everything we need to know to in, in the pages of scripture, the written word of God to follow him faithfully. Now, just that this will sound like a bit of rabbit chasing is really not be careful when you, if you ever turn on the TV and there's some, uh, someone who pro professes to be, for example, a preacher or a teacher of God's word on there. And they're saying they've got knowledge and a revelation that nobody else has got. They've got it and uh, they're unique and uh, they alone can uh, help you if you'll just listen to them and, and don't regard uh, all the biblically based uh, teaching and preaching you've heard all your life. Forget about those others and some of these people have great gifts of oratory and rhetoric, and they can speak in a compelling way. But when they claim to have a hidden knowledge, they're almost like if you've ever been in a discipleship study or some, some Bible study and you've heard the term Gnostics. That was a movement in the first and second century where the people claimed hidden knowledge, mystery. That's not what uh, the Christian life is about. God put in the Bible, clear teaching about what it is that we need to know about the Christian life. There's no mystery. There's no mystery. The proclamation is Jesus saves. The proclamation is whosoever will may come. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I, I would just say, you know, referencing back to the video, the missions offerings that many Alabama Baptist churches choose to support, that will help the gospel go forth even further. We have a responsibility that on a local basis, but also across the state of Alabama, and that's that's particular emphasis on Myers Mallory. So as we wrap up this message, let me just remind you that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit works in individual Christians' lives, and he will never tell you anything in prayer that uh, contradicts Scripture. He will never uh, put words in the mouth of anybody who claims to be, be a preacher or teacher that contradicts Scripture. He ever does that, whatever kind of uh, so-called teacher that person is, it's not a biblical teacher. It is only... Um, the pages of scripture and the message of Christ that you find there that can truly lead a person to an authentic profession of Jesus saves. Now, as brother Chris and Lisa come back to lead us, if you have some kind of response, we won't ask you to come forward, but you can talk to Chris, talk to other uh, folks in the sanctuary there. You can call me after the service but I would invite you during this invitation time to respond as God lays upon your heart, Brother Chris.
you came to be with us today and hope you have a good rest of the week continue to watch uh the friendly fellowship for announcements as i said we've got the myers mallory mission offering going on now and so be praying about that and also we'll be having the lord's supper in october the first sunday in october we hope you'll come and join us we're going to do it uh safely and hopefully efficiently uh but we're getting little kits and we'll show you how to use them but uh, we'll be doing the lord's supper it's a very important service and it's been a while since we've done it. We, we're looking forward to doing that in October. So come and join us. Uh, and again, that'll be in the Friendly Fellowship. And Joan will keep us all informed. But as we close, let's sing together, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Oh, how He loves you. One more. 